coming out like four feet and then six feet so I can move the podium out a little further and be better lit for the cameras. And uh, Brandon said, as much as I walk, he said we needed to add a bunch more <laughs> up here so I wouldn't fall off the stage. So thank you, Brandon. Uh, so we're probably going to do that because I, I agree. Okay, today we're on the fourth in the series. What's the title of the series? The Road to the Resurrection. All of these, uh, all of these, uh, this series is leading up to Resurrection Celebration Day, March 31st. And God just showed me, I want you to take, Harold, I want you to start in John, go back from chapter 20 to where it falls into place, and I want you to preach every chapter up to John 20, the day of the, of the resurrection. So we're doing that. He also told me to do something different that I, I thought was very different for me. He said, I want you to read the whole chapter every Sunday. So we've been reading every, every verse of those chapters. So today we're in John chapter 15. So I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to that. How many of you brought your Bibles today? Raise them up. Oh, well, I see some voids here. I see some voids. All right, hold them up again. Come on. Okay. You know why? Because I'm not going to put them on the screen. I don't want the guys to have to follow me. On all of those verses, I want you to follow in your Bible. And you might have a different translation, uh, but that's okay. All right? We're not going to harp on what translation you have. So we're going to start in, in verse 1, and then I will pick out. I've got God's laid uh, some verses on my heart today that we're going to share with you. Okay? So here we go. Get ready. John 15, chapter 1. One of the most, well, I say that about every chapter. It's one of the most powerful chapters in all the Bible. Uh, it is really packed full, and there's about 100 sermons in here. But I'm just going to preach one today. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Say more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Say abide in me. I am, the, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing, no thing. You cannot do anything without him, he says. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What's the overriding word that we're hearing so far? Abide. (laughs) Abide love. (laughs) These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do for you to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse. Say no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Father, I thank you for your word today. May it take root in fertile soil in the hearts of the people. Father, I bind our hearts to your heart this morning, our ears to your ears, our eyes to your eyes, our feet to your feet. I bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Everybody said. As Jesus was getting nearer the cross, as he was getting, he he was so focused, he knew what he had to do, where he was going, and as he was getting nearer the cross, he began to really accelerate his teaching. He had been teaching them for almost three years, and now all of a sudden he is giving them like, or they're cram, you ever cram for a test? He, he's like giving them so much information. But listen, I used to get so upset, I'd go, why do those guys not get it yet? But Jesus knew they weren't going to get it yet, didn't he? He knows everything. But he said, listen, I'm going to give you this information. I'm going to keep telling you the word. I'm going to keep pouring into you, and there's a day coming when the light's going to go and the Holy Spirit's going to teach you all things. And when he was resurrected, remember on the road to Emmaus, he taught these guys, and they didn't know what it was. Then when he left, he, dis- he disappeared. They go, oh, now we understand. All the way through the, the word, they began to understand more and more as the Holy Spirit filled them and taught them and taught them all things that God wanted them to hear. So I'm going to go back. We're going to talk about this thing called pruning this morning, the process of pruning. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can preach John 15, but you Kind of got to be selective in this. This is what God laid on my heart about this pruning process. He wants us to know about the pruning process. So I'm going to read the first eight verses again. And I want you to see there are two little words in here that pop up six times together. He says, I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. In other words, his father is the one that takes care of the garden of the, or the, the grapevines. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, he says, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. Six times. What are the two words? In me. In me. Count them. Highlight it. Now, if those others are in there six times, I apologize. God wants you to know that you need to be in him. If you're going to abide in the vine, you've got to be in the vine. If you're going to remain there, if you're going to produce food, you've got to be in him. 
He wants us to live in him. You get it? It's an interrupting no. cow. He interrupts. That's what he does. He's a moo, right? That is so dumb. It's a knock-knock Dumb. Knock it's joke. funny. Hey, Laura. She's, hey. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins, not ends. Thou art the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, oh. Jesus. Oh. Guys, I, I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. <laughs> Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes. Praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and oh, being fake. Uh, okay, I, I forgive you. Oh, praise you for okay. your grace, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise hallelujah. No, I mean, like, you know, if, if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. Okay, um, Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean that. What are you guys doing? Jesus, we're living for you just like we always do. Don't live for me, live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want. God wants us to bear fruit. That's what he's saying through these whole first eight verses. He wants us to bear fruit. And the only way we're going to bear fruit is when we live in him. What does this look like? What kind of fruit? Plum? Somebody catch that. Oh. What does this look like? Hey, no, it's a pomegranate. This is an apple. Anybody want an apple? There you go, Brendan. They look good, don't they? Guess what? They're not real. Ah. So many Christians look like that. Ooh. Artificial. You see the artificial Christians? You, did you see them up there acting out? Holy. Praise hallelujah. You ever meet anybody like that? They're, everything out of their mouth is, oh, Lord, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus, and all that. But then their life is like nothing like Jesus. God says he wants us to produce fruit, good fruit. That's artificial fruit. God wants you to be real. He wants me to be real. He wants us to live our lives in such a way that people see Christ in us because we're living, we're attached to the vine. And when we're attached to the vine, even when we're going through difficult times, they'll see the real Jesus shine in your difficult times. 
They won't see, they won't see the, the fake Jesus. They won't see the one that they, they you know, that we, we did a video one time called Plastic Jesus. And so many people have their plastic Jesus. They have him just in, in, in a case of emergencies. I did a whole sermon on that, that we, we call on him, and he's just there kind of as, uh, uh, as we want to use him and then lose him. But God's called us to live in his son. He said to live in me. That's a 24-7 live in him. God wants fruit that remains. He wants us to live and be real, not just act religious, because a lot of people got that religion thing down really good. Called hypocrisy. When you really get to know them, you see that they're, they're not anything like they, the facade that they put up. And God wants us to be real. It's imperative this morning that you understand without him, you can't do anything. If you're not abiding in the vine, you will be artificial. You will look artificial, and everybody around you, you may not think they can see it, but they can see it. How many of y'all can spot a hypocrite? How many of you didn't go to church for a long time because you knew hypocrites? You know, I'm not going to go to that church. I'm not. The deacon lives next door to me, and he's where he throws beer bottles in my yard. <laughs> no offense if I jody on you. I'm going to give him that time to settle with Jody. So he, he loves me. <laughs> but listen, if we're going to flourish as God wants you to flourish. Listen, God wants every one of you to flourish. Not just me. I, I, God wants you to be the most beautiful fruit producer in the world. He wants you to show him off so beautifully by the fruit that is in your life. And he does. He loves us so much that he says in the scripture, I'm going to prune you so you can grow more fruit. Okay, how many of you know about the pruning process? How many of you do landscaping or you plant trees and you check them out? You're already reading the what you're supposed to do this spring to get ready to get your trees ready for this for the for the summertime for the, the low water that we have. Sometimes he, you have certain things that you need to do in certain times. How many of you have been down my street before on Shafter and you see all these beautiful pecan trees, but part of the street you see no pecan trees or they're all chopped off you know what i found out somebody came and pruned them at the wrong time they pruned them at the wrong season they pruned them in the wrong way and we got all these beautiful big trunks but but there's no limbs there's no leaves on them and it's really sad my next door neighbor had somebody professionally come in and take them out of the ground and chop them up because they were no good anymore we just happen to have beautiful when we moved in we had these beautiful great big pecan trees and they still flourish every year as long as we water them. But I want to talk to you. I looked up something on the Internet, and you know everything on the Internet's true, right? Bonjour. <laughs> that's going to catch That's going to hang with me for a while. And if you don't know what that means, see me after church. <clears throat> Wes said, Dad, but what are they selling? Yeah, but which insurance? State Farm. See, somebody watched the commercial. I, I had a thing. I think, well, I think it's farm insurance. I think it's farmer's group or farmer's State Farm. Okay. Plug for State Farm. Pruning. This is what I looked up. And I, I want you to, if you want to take notes, you're going to be amazed at this. Because the way Jesus put this, the way God put this in the scriptures for us. And he knew I would look at this certain website. And he knew I would copy and paste this stuff. <laughs> Pruning. The removal of portions of a grapevine for the purpose of maintaining size, shape, and productivity. 
Doesn't that look harsh? <laughs> Cutting hurts. Let me read that again. It means the removal of portions of a grapevine for the purpose of maintaining size, shape, and productivity. Proper training of grapevines is essential to maintain plant size, shape, and productivity. If left unattended, I want you to hear this. This just jumped off the page at me. If left unattended, if this grapevine is left unattended, grapevines can become unruly. Hmm. And fruiting will be poor due to overproduction of vegetation. Now, I, I know they're, they're starting to do grapes in this area. And we have a, a winery or a, a, what they call them? A vineyard. Yeah, they have a vineyard in Cristobal. It's very beautiful. You go out there and you look how they, they have, they tie them up so they can grow properly. And they have to, they have to prune them so that they're producing more. But if left unattended, anybody, do you know anybody that just dropped out of church? And they become uh, unruly. And all of a sudden, their fruit is not there like it used to be. They got away from the vine. And you know, I'm going to use the, I'm going to use, he said, be attached to the vine because that's the body of Christ. So I jumped into that and I thought, hey, aren't we the body of Christ, aren't we? So he asked us to be attached. He said in Hebrews, he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together with God's people. He knew there was something about us being together that lifted us up and that helped us to be pruned. You're getting pruned this morning by the pastor. I got pruned as I was preparing this message. <laughs> now, the third thing is very important. Grapevines that have not been pruned, listen to this, can appear to be quite tangled unless the gardener has carefully combed, and that's called shoot positioning. I'm learning all this stuff about vineyards. The ve shoot position, uh, combing the vegetation during the growing season. Shoot positioning results in high-quality fruit. Do you all want high-quality fruit? Okay, I'm going to get some more artificial fruit and throw it at you. It results in high-quality fruit, better buds for the next year's crop, reduced number of shoots that are tangled, improved sunlight exposure, and more air circulation. Now, I want you to look at John 15, verse 2. Let me show you something here. It's really cool. He says in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If you go back to the Greek, uh, I think the word was arrow, takes away. This can be better translated, lifted up, raised up, elevated, to raise from the ground. It makes much more sense when you read it that way. Every branch in me, Jesus said, you're in him, okay? That does not bear fruit, he lifts up, he cleans, he combs. Remember the combing, the shoot positioning? So you can get more air, so you can get more sunlight, so you're out of the dirt. Guess what the dirt would remind you of? It would remind me of sin. It would remind me of, of the old man being in the dirt. And God says, I lift you up. I want to raise you out of that dirt so you can be more productive. And some of you, you you're, you're laying in the dirt and you, you don't really know what to do. And God's he's, he's calling you and he's lifting you up. He's sending people to lift you up. He's sending words to lift you up. And you decide, I'm going to stay in the dirt. Well, guess what? You will not produce much down there. Just as a vineyard will not grow, a vine that, that's not dressed. See, the Father loves you so much, he's going to prune you. 
He loves you so much that he's going to lift you up out of the muck and the mire. The Bible says we are washed with the water of the word. What did I say that was wrong? Did I misstay something? I saw some people giggling. You know, I don't know that until afterwards, and I go back and listen. Did I say something wrong? Okay. Sorry. We'll edit that from the live stream. Oh, you can't do that in live stream. So I'm looking at this passage, and a lot of people want to go to the next group of word, uh, passages, and they want to try to point out how you can lose your salvation. And I'm not going to go there today because how many of you are in here thinking about losing your salvation or turning your back on God? Probably none of you. You wouldn't be here. Okay? And I think people spend so much time proving, trying to prove eternal salvation or, eternal, or, or the fact that you can lose your salvation and gain it and lose it and gain it. They get so caught up on that, they miss what God's trying to say by, this, by these passages. So we're not going to focus on that. You, if whatever you believe, you know, if that's what God shows you in the word, man, just go with it. But I'm telling you, he wants us to focus this morning on being producing a good fruit. Okay? Now, here's what pruning looks like. Let's turn to Matthew 5, verse 30. You're going to love this one. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Okay, everybody that does not have a right hand, raise your sub. Most everybody here has both your right hands. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me now. I will tithe from now. Sneaky. So, none of you have ever stolen anything that you used your hand to steal. Anybody ever steal anything besides me? <laughs> yeah. We got, a, we got an officer of the law here today, so I'm just. I will have a lawyer, too. <laughs> I was hurt. So, let me get this straight. You have used your hand to steal, but you haven't cut your hand off. Hmm. So God says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. You see what I believe God means by that, what Jesus means by that is, because actually your hand doesn't sin, it starts here. Okay? It only does what you tell it to do. I know you've seen peanuts and how he, his different body parts speak to him. But that, that's what it is. I mean, it starts in your mind. Sin starts, it's born in your mind, and then you follow through with it with, your, with whatever action that you take. Okay? So God's not saying to go cut your hand off because you stole something or because you lusted pluck your eye out because that's what is in the preceding verse. He's saying quit sinning. Can I say that again? It, and it's really difficult. It's really deep. He just said stop sinning. Did y'all hear me? He said, stop sinning. Oh, but I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just going to sin all I can, Lord, because I know you saved me by grace. Man, that's just so perverted thinking. And I'm not, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of Christ. And you are too if you're saved. You might not look like it. You're just in the process of it. But we, he says we are the righteousness of Christ. 
At one time I was a sinner, and he saved me by his grace, but I'm no longer that. I'm not going to confess that anymore. And if you're confessing that, listen, that's a bad confession. You're saying, well, he saved me one time, but I just can't rise above that. Well, you're saying God is not able. So quit saying that if, you keep, if you're saying that. And here's the deal, God, he prunes us. And one of the ways he prunes us is he begins to speak to us about things. And it's called conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is something you're doing, Harold, that you shouldn't be doing. And I'm going to speak that to you. But you're going to have to be the one that chooses not to do it. You know, so long we have blamed God. Well, God just hadn't stopped me from wanting to have meth. I've asked him to take that desire away from me, but I still keep going back to it. That's baloney. He gives, you the, he gives you the desire to quit, and he gives you the power to quit. You can fill that in with whatever other sin it is that God, that, that's in your life that shouldn't be there. But let's quit blaming God because he hasn't taken that away from you. Okay? There are some things. Listen, we sometimes get so spiritual. Oh, so spiritual and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, we just get so spiritual, but we forget that we still have choices, and we've got to make right choices. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans 13. Turn over there. Romans 13. Here's why you're turning there. Listen, this is what pruning is. It's repentance. It's God speaking to you, convicting you, and you have a renewed mind. You have a changed mind, and you say, you know what? That you, I know that's wrong, and I'm going to change the way I think about that because God said to change the way I think about it, and God's going to give me the power to walk away and, and be free of that. And we make it so, so, so complicated. But I want to show you what the Word says, Romans 13, 11 through 14, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. <laughs> say, wake out of sleep. He said, wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us, say us, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie and dark, dark, drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust." Well, God, please take this away. No, he said, quit. Stop doing it. We, we, try, to, we try to make it so deep and so spiritual. Well, I've got this, this thing there, and I just can't get free of it. Well, listen, if people have prayed over you, and God said it in his word, and you believe it, then you should be free of it. I think we overcomplicate it so much that we give the enemy a foothold to stay. Does that make sense? We, we just overcomplicate it, and we compromise and rationalize the word, and so we allow it to stay in our life. And he said, look, if, you're, if your eyes, if you're lusting, quit lusting, quit looking. If you're stealing, quit stealing. And he said, there's some things that you have to do. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. You know, we get up in the morning and God says, are you armored up today, Harold? Have you put the armor on? Have you, have you begun your word, your day with, with prayer? Have you been in my word today? Have you taken communion today? Have you, have you done the right things to prepare for the day? And if you haven't, then you better because that's your choice to do that. And if you don't, he said, Harold, you're, you're open game today. 
And that, that woman walk, might walk by or that person might cut you off on the highway and, and you might react differently than because my fruit, you're supposed to remain in me. And here's how we remain in him, guys. It's not that, it's not that difficult. You stay in the word. You get in the word and you let the word get in you. You pray, you repent, you, you, do, you do what God said for us to do. Put on the light. Cast off the darkness. Quit blaming him for your sin. Quit blaming the devil for your sin. In the book of James, it says, look, he says, you are led away by your own lust. We like to blame. We, we play the blame game too much, church. God is pruning you this morning. And being pruned sometimes hurts. I'm sure if branches could squeal when that thing went through the vine, ah, hurts. What's the fruit we're talking about? Turn to Galatians 5. Anybody getting pruned this morning? You know, you know what, the, you know what, the, our, our uh, response to uh, a difficult, maybe not a difficult, but a message that's cutting us hard, is that you've heard it a million times. You walked away, man. The pastor still sure stepped on my toes today. And actually, he didn't. The word of God was pruning you, and it's up to you what you do when you walk out. You can say, "Well, he really stepped on my toes." You can say, "God's pruning me." There's some changes I've got to make in my life. y'all hear me? You can walk out of here this morning and go, whoo, man, I'm glad church is over. I'm just too tough. He said, we got to stop sinning. <laughs> That's no fun. Or you can walk out and say, look, thank you, Lord, for convicting me. Holy Spirit, thank you for exposing that in me. I'm stopping that. I'm putting on the light. I'm putting on the armor of God. I want to be in my word this week and next week and next week. It's your choice. You're going to abide in the vine or you're going to be separate from the vine. You're going to walk away. Here's the fruit. We keep, he keeps talking about this fruit. Now, all my life I grew up and they told me, they didn't tell me this was the fruit that John 15 was talking about. They said the fruit was more Christians. Anybody ever hear that when you're growing up? Oh, how's your fruit? Getting anybody into the kingdom? Well, that's part of it. But that's actually the result of actually having the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love. Now, some people say uh, Paul meant love, and all the rest of them fell into, that, into love, that that was the fruit of the Spirit because he calls it a singular fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and the outgrowth of love is this, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires, if we live in the Spirit or in Christ, let us also walk in the Spirit or walk in Christ. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Listen, you become conceited, prideful, God will humble you. As we are abiding in the fruit of the Spirit, as the fruit of the Spirit is operating in us, it 
then we'll produce, listen what it will produce, healthy marriages, healthy families, souls one to Christ, and the kingdom will advance. Y'all believe that? Listen, if you're operating, if you're living, the fruits of the Spirit are evident in your life. If, if love is the over-dominating factor of your life, the love of Christ, there will be healthy marriages, healthy children, healthy schools, healthy job sites. There will be healthy advances in the kingdom. There will be souls coming to the kingdom because of what people see in you, because they'll see Christ. Thank you, David. Now, I want to move past that. I think you've been pruned enough. <laughs> Somebody said, thank you. Verses 9 through 17, I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to pick on uh, 16 there. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Kind of like other passages that we've read. Here's what he's trying to say here. This is what he is saying. As you mature as a believer, as you walk after Christ, after you go after the deeper things, you will advance from this kind of Christian. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? Roller coaster Christian. Youth camp? First day of school, whoo! God shows you the love of your life, whoo! Temptations and dating, whoo! That's an immature Christian, baby Christian, whatever you want, carnal Christian, whatever you label you want to put. This is the way some people look. Maybe some of you look this way. God doesn't, that's not his desire for your life. His desire for our life is to look like this. Just a steady growth, process growing. Maybe have a bump in the road, but not like this. Just a bump, maybe, stumbling a little bit, getting back up, following Christ, growing, learning from your mistakes, learning from your past, moving forward in your faith. That's what God's desire is for your heart. When you do that, you're in sync with God. Listen, when you're in sync with him, you're abiding, you're remaining, dwelling in the vine, that's when you can ask whatever you want to, and God will say, yeah. Exactly, that's what I put in your heart to ask, and he'll give it to you. And we go, Lord, I need, no, here it is. Lord, I really need you so bad up here. I don't need you now, Lord. I'm good. Lord, I, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, we're good. Immaturity. And then we wonder, why didn't he answer my prayers? Because you're not in sync with him. You ask amiss, you ask for the wrong things because you're thinking in a perverted way. Your mind's not being renewed. But I believe in, in those next middle verses of John 15, he's talking about love, 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 love. Love one another. Love God. I command you to love one another. He's already shared this in, other, in John 14 and, and 13. He's telling it, love, love, love. If you don't have love, man, you're not a part of me. Love's got to be the predominant fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And here's what he's preparing the disciples for. And I am very sad to say he could really be preparing you and me for. That's called persecution. 
He starts out, stay, Harold, stay in the vine. Remain in me. Don't get away from me, Harold. Stay with me. Stay in my word. Follow me. Listen to me. Love. Love your people. Love your wife. Love your kids. Love yourself. Love me more than anything. Love. Just like the kid said, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love, love, love. Because there's going to be a time when the world's going to come at you. And they're going to say you're evil because you believe in Christ. They're going to say you're wrong because you say he's the only way. And they're going to tempt, they're going to persecute Christians in this country and don't think that they won't because they already are. And if we're not so saturated in his love and so it's abiding in the vine, we might crack. You, you think I'm kidding. You think I'm joking about this. Just start reading the paper. Start watching the news and see what they're saying about Christians now. I started to show, I was looking for videos, and there's so many to watch about persecuted Christians all over the world. The man that's in Iran, far, I think his name is Farthi. He's in prison in Iran for, yeah, yeah, he, he's, over, he's, he's in prison because he says, I, I'm not going to renounce my faith in Christ. He's been separated from his kids because he believes in Jesus. And I pray that God bless that man. And the people that the, the tribe, the people that go into India, the soldiers, the Hindus, and they torch churches and they kill pastors in the pulpit. And we think, well, that's horrible. And that's over there. But listen, God's preparing us for that because it could come. And where will you stand when they put a gun to your head and say, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Like they did that young lady at Columbine. Where will you stand? Will you say, oh, well, 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 well you know, I, I, I go to church once in a while, but I'm not really a hardcore Christian. Uh, you know, matter of fact, whatever you need me to say, I'll say, listen, that might happen. It could be sooner than later. It could be in my generation. It could be in this time. Because I believe right now we're in, in the United States of America. People are calling evil good and, and good evil. And we need to be rooted that's why I preach what I preach. That's why I don't give you a sugar-coated sermon. That's why I don't water down the gospel. Because when the time comes, when the, what, what do they call it, the rubber meets the road, where are you going to stand with Christ? Where are you going to be? You've got to make a decision. I'm walking with him. I'm abiding in him. I love him, and if I, if I have to die for him, hey, I'll die for him. God wants us to bear fruit, church, not artificial fruit. He's not asking for Sunday Christians. He's not asking for wishy-washy Christians. He's not asking for roller coaster Christians. He's calling us to abide and produce fruit that remains. You stand. Did you ever think about the fact that when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I'll die for you? I know. How many military people do we have here? When you sign on, don't you have to sign a piece of paper that says, I'm willing to die for my country? Well, when you sign on with Jesus, you got to say, I'm willing to die to myself and live into Christ. I think dying to yourself is the hardest thing. 
Because we all kind of like to do what we want to do when we want to do it. God's called us all to die to self, crucify our flesh, and live to him. But listen, he doesn't leave us as orphans. He says, I'll do, I'll live in you, Harold. I'll give you the strength. If you read the last part, which we did, of John 15, he said, I'm sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in this. You have the indwelling spirit. You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. God gives us every advantage to walk this thing out in victory. So here's the deal this morning. If you had, if you were a fruit inspector and you were inspecting the fruit of your life, nobody else was inspecting it, just you. Would you say the fruits of the Spirit are very dominant in your life or would you say, I'm not so sure about that? What would would the Holy Spirit say to you this morning? If he was shining his light on you, would he say there's some things you need to cut off and cut out? I remember my parents, whenever we would get a little bit rowdy, me and my brother were close in the same age, and he said, you better cut that out. (laughs) You ever hear that one? In other words, she said, if you don't cut it out, I'll prune it out of you. God disciplines those he loves. That's part of pruning. So maybe there's some things in your life you want to, as we clo- as we pray this morning, that you would like to come to the altar and say, I want to lay that down. I want to cut it out of my life. I want to make the choice. I'm gonna re- with a renewed mind to leave that. And you'd ask God, just give me the strength to do that, Lord. Would you bow your heads? And I'd like the ministry team to go ahead and come to the front. Some of you possibly this morning need to repent. Change the way you think. Have a renewed mind, a repentant mind. And these are some things that I wrote down. Just bow your heads, eyes closed. These are some things, and just, these are just a few things, that may be keeping you from bearing fruit or producing good fruit or more fruit. Maybe it's pride. Could be anger, could be jealousy, could be fear, could be a multitude of things, but those are the ones that God brought to my mind as I was preparing for this. God wants to cut those out of your life. He wants to prune you, but you're going to have to be willing to be pruned, and you're going to have to participate with it by taking a stand with what God's speaking to you, what he's showing you. So, Father, this morning as we have a time of invitation, it's really a time for repentance. There are people in this room, Father, that are carrying some things that they know. You've already said. You've spoken to them. You need to cut that out. And today they will say no more compromising. No more rationalizing. God, you said it. I believe it. That's enough. I'll follow you. I'll obey you. 
Maybe you just want somebody to affirm that and pray with you this morning. I mean, something you've carried a long time, an anger issue, an unforgiveness issue, a pride issue. No matter what it is, God is speaking. Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. Say, I want that out of your life because you're not producing the fruit like I know you can. You know, I've always envisioned a church full of people. As I heard Erica say it this morning. 20% 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You know, I just don't come into agreement with, with what the church world says about that. I believe that we should be 100% of the people should be doing 100% of the work. That we should, 100% of the people should be producing all the fruit, all the giving. And it should come from everybody in this room, the people that aren't here today. We're going to come into agreement with it. God wants to touch every person in here to walk in victory joy and love and self-control patience faithfulness he wants everyone in this room to be a part of that see some of you the devil's already saying he's already speaking well you're not there yet you can't get there yet just wait a while you'll get there but god's calling you today do not listen to the lie of the enemy that you can never attain that person that produces much fruit because God said, if you want to remain in me, I will, I will give you all the tools to do that. So, Father, this morning as we invite, I just ask, Father, you would put it on their hearts for those in this place to say, I want to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. That they would not be ashamed, they would not feel, feel guilt, but, Father, they would feel wholeness and healing today take place in their lives with new direction. also heard this this morning. God wants to bring hope to the hopeless. And he wants to turn to those of you that are living in pain, he wants to turn that to praise. And some of you that have been rejected, he wants you to know that he's receiving you. If that's you this morning, I invite you to step out and come. Don't wait for your, your neighbor, your buddy, your spouse, your friend. God's speaking directly to you. You need to obey his voice. Do not listen to the voice of a stranger. Listen to his voice. Today you said, I need this needs to be cut out of my life. And you want somebody to pray with you, to come alongside you. You need to come. Step out and come. Step out and come. Not gonna, we're not embarrassing anybody. We're not going to embarrass anybody. Actually, probably most everybody in this place ought to be up here, including me. So I'd like to open this up, just the altar to be open for, for you to come and repent this morning. I'm telling you, God really wants to do something amazing in this body. But I think we all have to be on the same page. We ought to be all we ought to all be together on this, producing the good fruit of the Spirit. So this altar is open. There's a lot of room up here to kneel and repent. I'm not saying you have to come up here to repent, but I'm telling you, it's pretty good, pretty good to get on your knees before God.
humbly bow before him.